Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. Follow this line of thinking, friends. As we talked about yesterday, we all struggle with God in one way or another, or at one time or another, even if it's being in sin and finally bending the knee to Jesus. Yet at the same time, we know that God desires to be known and to be with you. And he loved you so much that he sent his son on a rescue mission, offering the free gift of salvation to those who believe. Might it be that struggle is actually part of how we are to learn Like God knew that's what we were going to go through. Now stick with me. I think today's going to be revealing. Hey, Hopeful, welcome to For the Hope's listener-supported daily audio Bible, where we read through every word of God's revelation of himself and consider our own life and work stories in light of that, including how we're going to kick off in the New Testament, the final chapter of the gospel according to John, what he himself said was to preserve so that you might believe. But I'm going to add One thing just about this struggle thing might be at work. It might be with your, with your spouse. What does Jesus say should happen as the result of the blessing that we receive? And how do we see that even in our old Testament passage today? Well, I'm going to talk about that as we go and we'll close with that in our final reflection. John chapter 21 After this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said, I'm going to go fishing. We're coming with you, they told him. And they went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Where are they? They're at work. (laughs) They caught nothing. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Friends, Jesus called to them. You don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. The disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him, for he had taken it off, and plunged into the sea. Since they were not far from land, about a hundred yards away, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. Bring some of the fish you've caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter climbed up and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. 
When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he told him. You know that I love you. Jesus told him, feed my lambs. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told them. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he had asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. So Peter turned around and saw the disciple Jesus loved following them and the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and asked, Lord, who is the one that's going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, <laughs> what about him? If I want Jesus, Jesus, Jesus answering, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So this rumor spread to the brothers and sisters that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not tell him that he would not die. But if you want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if every one of them were written down, I suppose not even the world itself could contain the books that would be written. <laughs> that pretty much the most awesome ending to a book. Uh, if I wrote all this stuff down, the whole world couldn't contain all the books. Though, Roger's Library tries. <laughs> I must confess. Hey, my friends, Jesus said, what? He says, feed my sheep. If you love me, you'll follow me and you'll feed my sheep. And you know what he doesn't say? He says, well, you're going to, you're going to have a problem of mistaken identity and forget your true self. So I want you to find your true self. Now, in fact, he promises Peter that he's going to meet a rather ignominious death. Probably a little bit of struggle right there, don't you think? My friends, remember that the covenants of the Bible illustrate God's desire to bless us, but we don't want to be blessed on his terms. So as we turn to our Old Testament segment, consider Jacob. Right at this moment in Genesis, Jacob is quivering in his boots as he's about to be reunited with his brother Esau. Now it's been a long time, a couple decades, since Jacob cheated Esau out of his blessing. But then, of course, people tend to have long memories about that kind of stuff. And that is what Jacob is expecting. Picking up in Genesis chapter 33. Now Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming toward him with 400 men. So he divided the children among them, Leah, Rachel, and two slave women. He put the slaves and their children first, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. He himself went on ahead and bowed to the ground seven times until he approached his brother. 
But Esau ran to meet him, hugged him, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And then they wept. When Esau looked up and saw the women and children, he asked, Who are these with you? Jacob answered, The children God has graciously given your servant. Then the slaves and their children approached him and bowed down, and Leah and her children also approached and bowed down, and then Joseph and Rachel approached and bowed down. So Esau said, What do you mean by this whole procession I met? To find favor with you, my lord, he answered. I have enough, my brother Esau replied. Keep what you have. But Jacob said, No, please, if I have found favor with you, take this gift from me. For indeed I have seen your face, and it is like seeing God's face, since you have accepted me. Please take my present that was brought to you, because God has been gracious to me, and I have everything I need. So Jacob urged him until he accepted. Then Esau said, Let's move on, and I'll go ahead of you. Jacob replied, My Lord knows that the children are weak, and I have nursing flocks and herds. If they are driven hard for one day, the whole herd will die. Let my Lord go ahead of his servant, and I will continue on slowly at a pace suited to the livestock and the children until I come to my Lord at Seir. Esau said, Let me leave some of my people with you. But Jacob replied, Why do that? Please indulge me, Lord, my Lord. And that day Esau started on his way back to Seir. But Jacob went to Succoth, and he built a house for himself and shelters for his livestock. And that is why the place was called Succoth which means stalls or huts. After Jacob came to Badan Aram, he arrived safely at Shechem in the land of Canaan and camped in front of the city. He purchased a section of the field where he had pitched his tent from the same sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, for 400 pieces of silver. And he set up an altar there and called it God, the God of Israel. Chapter 34 Leah's daughter, Dinah, whom Leah bore to Jacob, went out to see some of the young women of the area. And when Shechem, son of Hamor the Hivite, who was the region's chieftain, saw her, he took her and raped her. He became infatuated with Jacob's daughter, Dinah. He loved the young girl and spoke tenderly to her. Get me this girl as a wife, he told his father. Jacob heard that Shechem had defiled his daughter Dinah, but since his sons were with his livestock in the field, he remained silent until they returned. Meanwhile, Shechem's father Hamor came to speak to Jacob. Jacob's sons returned from the field when they heard about the incident, and they were deeply grieved and very angry, for Shechem had committed an outrage against Israel by raping Jacob's daughter, and such a thing should not be done. Hamor, you know what? I'll pause right there. Notice that sense of morality, right? We often look back and think, oh, they're just a bunch of, right? No, there was a, there was a code and we clearly have better clarity and um, a new covenant now. But uh, that doesn't mean there was just like chattel slavery of women back then. Just an important note. Continuing. Uh They were deeply grieved and very angry, for Shechem had committed an outrage against Israel by raping Jacob's daughter, and such a thing should not be done. Hamor said to Jacob's sons, My son Shechem has his heart set on your daughter. Please give her to him as a wife. Intermarry with us. Give your daughters to us and take our daughters for yourselves. Live with us. The land is before you. 
settle here, move about, and acquire property in it. Then Shechem said to Dinah's father and brother, brothers, plural, grant me this favor and I'll give you whatever you say. Demand of me a high compensation and gift. I'll give you whatever you ask me. Just give me the girl to be my wife. But Jacob's sons answered Shechem and his father deceitfully because he had defiled their sister Dinah. We cannot do this thing, they said to them. Giving our sister to an uncircumcised man is a disgrace to us. We will agree with you only on this condition. If all your males are circumcised as we are, then we will give you our daughters, take your daughters for ourselves, live with you and become one people. But if you do not listen to us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and go. Their words seemed good to Hamor and his son Shechem. The young man did not delay doing this because he was delighted with Jacob's daughter. Now he was the most important in all his father's family. So Hamor and his son Shechem went to the gate of their city and spoke to the men of their city. These men are peaceful toward us, they said. Let them live in our land and move about in it, for indeed the region is large enough for them. Let's take their daughters as our wives and give our daughters to them. But the men will only agree to live with us and be one people only on this condition, if all our men are circumcised as they are. Won't there... Won't their livestock, their possessions, and all their animals become ours? Only let's agree with them, and they'll live with us. All of the men who had come to the city gates listened to Hamor and his son Shechem, and all those men were circumcised. Now this, my friends, this is some beauty. This is, this is funny right here. You ready? All of the men who had come to the city gates listened to Hamor and his son Shechem, and all those men were circumcised. On the third day... When they were still in pain, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords, went to the unsuspecting city, and killed. <laughs> Every male. <laughs> hey, I know how we could take over this city. Let's just get them all to uh, be in significant male pain. Okay, I shouldn't be laughing, but I did. Because we're a keeping it real kind of crew around here. So they killed everybody, all the men. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with their swords, took Dinah from Shechem's house and went away. Jacob's sons came to the slaughter and plundered the city because their sister had been defiled. They took their flocks, herds, donkeys, and whatever was in the city and in the field. They captured all their possessions, dependents, and wives and plundered everything in the houses. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me, making me odious to the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and the Perizzites. We are few in number. If they unite against me and attack me, I and my household will be destroyed. But they answered, Should he treat our sister like a prostitute? Chapter 35 God said to Jacob, Get up, go to Bethel, and settle there. Build an altar there to the Lord, to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his family and all who were with him, Get rid of the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your clothes. We must get up and go to Bethel. I will build an altar there to the God who answered me in my day of distress. He has been with me everywhere I've gone. Then they gave Jacob all their foreign gods and their earrings, and Jacob hid them under the oak near Shechem. 
when they set out a terror, catch this, when they set out, a terror from God came over the cities around them, and they did not pursue Jacob's sons. So Jacob and all who were with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan. Jacob built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because it was there that God had revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Deborah, the one who had nursed and raised Rebekah, died and was buried under the oak south of Bethel, so Jacob named it Alan Bakuth. God appeared to Jacob again after he returned from Padanaram, and he blessed him. God said to him, Your name is Jacob. Your, you will no longer be named Jacob, but your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation, indeed an assembly of nations, will come from you, and kings will descend from you. I will give to you the land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, and I will give the land to your future descendants. And then God withdrew from him at the place where he had spoken to him. And Jacob set up a marker at the place where he had spoken to him, a stone marker. He poured a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. And Jacob named the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. All right, my friends, that gets us up through verse 14 of chapter 35. And I want to just pause and say, did you catch that? God reiterated, be fruitful and multiply. And that was the promise that he had made to Abraham, right? I'm going to bless nations through you. Nations will come through you. But remember, those words weren't particular to Abraham, right? That was God's blessing back in Genesis chapter 1 to Adam and by extension to all humankind, including you. He wants to bless us, but we don't want his blessing on his terms. Now hear how this plays itself out. Chapter verse 16. They set out from Bethel when they were still some distance from Ephrath. Rachel began to give birth and her labor was difficult. During her difficult labor, the midwife said to her, Don't be afraid, for you have another son. With her last breath, for she was dying, she named him Ben-Ani, but his father called him Benjamin. By the way, Benjamin means son of the right hand. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. Jacob set a marker on her grave, and it is the marker at Rachel's grave still today. Israel set out again and pitched his tent beyond the Tower of Eder. While Israel was living in that region, Reuben went in and slept with his father, father's concubine Bilhah, and Israel heard about it. Jacob had twelve sons. Leah's sons were Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. Rachel's sons were Joseph and Benjamin. The sons of Rachel's slave Bilhah were Dan and Naphtali. The sons of Leah's slave Zilpah were Gad and Asher. These are the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padan Aram. Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre in Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had stayed. Isaac lived 180 years. He took his last breath and died and was gathered to his people, old and full of days. His sons Esau and Jacob buried him. My friends, going back to Genesis chapter 1, there is a blessing and then a, 
and a command and promise both of seed and land. And we realize that much of this in the Old Testament is typological or foreshadows the fact that seed isn't just physical progeny, but spiritual progeny. And what are you commanded to do? How? What are you, what are you to do both as a command, but also in the process of receiving God's blessing for you of land, of inheritance, of promise? Feed my sheep. My friends, feed my sheep is not just a command to Peter. It's also a command to you. And what is the promise? If when you feed sheep, you, what are you going to do? You, 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 your, your spiritual seed will succeed you. And ultimately, the land of promise, the ultimate land of promise, comes to us when Jesus returns. I love you. Amen. Keep on struggling. Amen.